All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Alex Shaw with your Risk Matters uh, podcast. And, and uh, we're doing this on Zoom with Jimbo Redmond and Bennett Whitehouse. And my sense is I'm not sure if we can convert the audio file to sync with our normally scheduled intro and outro music. So this, this is going to be kind of a, a is, harsh, is, abrupt intro and exit. Groundbreaking stuff. Yeah. How are uh, doing our first remote podcast? Coming from Alex's living room and uh, my bedroom and In my home office. Bennett's room. Bennett's <laughs> home office. That's a nice, nicely put with the exercise equipment in the back. That's good. Yeah, it's a home office slash gym. Uh, yeah, well, we, we're, man, I'm, I'm just excited. I've been promoted from quality control to actually having a mic on this thing. So I'll uh, try not to let you down. Good, that, yeah, no, this, this is uh, certainly exciting. We've got, um, you know, We've got a lot of interesting and, and new emerging um, directions to go and have conversations around with, with um, the advent of coronavirus in all of our lives. And while we don't want to make this an overtly coronavirus-centered uh, podcast, I mean, I, I do think it, it sparked some areas of attention that maybe weren't on our radar before. Um, and so today's conversation is going to center a bit more on uh, cyber security and and maybe we'll we'll see how it develops but the thought would be potentially to tunnel down into cyber security as we've got employees working from home but Jimbo before we dive into to that piece what what is your routine uh, or what does survival I should say look like for you at working from home each day surrounded by family and loved ones well I do I definitely am am with the like get up early um, as much as this is an isolation time, having a little bit of alone time <laughs> <laughs> is good. But I, I have been trying to uh, do, do my little two-mile two, two loop of, of Peakland Place in the morning at lunchtime and in the evening. Um, so getting exercise is, is critical. Having, having a punch list of items to do that, that spurns between work and uh, home improvement options is is key. So I, I really do think that that having a having a routine and staying as busy as you can is is well so far critical. Yeah, I I saw the other day a little post that indicated you know we're talking a lot about working from home and the 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 counter to that was you're not just working from home you're, you're working during a pandemic and so it, it there's a little bit of of maybe a nuanced difference there that's important to consider. And so with that, you know, Jimbo, I know you'd mentioned a tweet that you saw from a professor who said something along the lines of, look, people are saying business as usual. It's not business as usual. So self-preservation is key. And, and some of the elements of self-preservation that you can tap into are things like creating checklists, getting up early, getting dressed, having a routine. Um, I know that you know, lunchtime walks with my kids so they can eat and we can kind of get some exercise in during, during break has been really helpful. Um, and the waking up early piece uh, makes me think of a good buddy of mine who, when he had, he had his, his kids, he got up at 4 a.m. every morning just so he could have an hour of coffee and peace and quiet before his, his day erupted into activity. So, um, so yeah, Bennett, what about you? What what are the routines that you're working from home? Your your park is padlocked now. So what? How are you surviving? 
Yeah, man. Can't go across the street to the park and work out in the field or anything. Um, well, you know, for starters, I ordered about a little over $600 worth of additional exercise equipment for my home office slash gym here to maintain sanity and uh, <clears throat> replace the barbell that I'm usually throwing around. Um, but, you know, a lot of the same stuff, keeping a routine, getting up early, wearing normal clothes when I'm working instead of working around in my sweatpants and slippers just to yeah. create that mood shift. And I think another thing that I think is really important to work for working remotely is having a space that's dedicated to work that you don't spend time in outside of work. So when I finish work at the end of the day in my home office, um, my personal laptop stays out in the living room so that I, I'm not hanging out in my office in my like monitor set up outside of work hours. So I have that, that separation between workspace and living space. Is that, um, yeah. is that cut down on your cyber risk? <laughs> not at all but uh <laughs> well the fact that he said he's got a a personal laptop it indicates that this guy is in tune to the cyber world he's keeping his work computer and his personal laptop separate um Bennett, right. since i got right. you on the line just a quick question i did this this really happened this morning i got a text this morning um from a number that i didn't recognize and it and it had a link in the text and it said uh Alex, someone posted or, or posted something really nice about you on this app and there was a link and I, I didn't click on it. Was that the right or the wrong thing to do? Should I go back and, and click on that it's link? Probably the right thing. It's probably, probably the right thing to do. Go ahead and delete that text. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, already done. Um, so yeah, well, maybe to bridge into that, um, as, as Jimbo likes to do, jump right into business, try to, try to mitigate as much, um, small talk and chat as possible we, we've taken too much time already chatting so um yeah bennett maybe maybe uh give us a sense of the landscape now of regarding you know working from home and some of the some of the unintended consequences that come from that and things maybe we haven't thought of and and others haven't thought of yeah you know i i think one important thing to consider is that um you know your IT team likely has a lot of really great things that they can be doing right now to help assist. Um, and, you know, we're in, you know, in the context of the coronavirus right now, Cisco is making their VPN, their umbrella protection and their duo app free for everyone through basically the quarantine months. So I think they said through June or through July, I was listening to their podcast yesterday. First of those, for those folks that don't have something like a VPN to access their company network, and others uh, and, and provide some of that firewall security. They're providing it for free, at least in the interim. Well, um, Bennett, what is a VPN and why do I need that? I was gonna ask the same question. <laughs> yeah, so um, it's a great question and it's really, really important for remote work and for anyone who travels for work frequently. It's a virtual private network and I can't even describe it super well technically, but the, the best way that I can contextualize it for people is that it can extend some of the security features that you have on your corporate private network to a remote computer. Um, so when you log on to your VPN, you can, not only does it allow you to access your corporate file share and, and conduct business through apps that you can't normally without it, without being on the private network, but it also extends things like your corporate firewall, some of your antivirus and DNS encryption stuff, 
um, and other technological defenses to that computer that's not on your office's Wi-Fi. Um, so that provides just an extra layer of security for um, malicious traffic and, and a number of other issues. And we can get that for free? We can. We, uh, we already have it at Scott. Uh, fortunately, we use Cisco's products, but our clients can get that through Cisco for now. Um, they're, they're offering free licenses and whatnot. So I thought that was a really, really awesome way for a company like them to give back to the community in, in the middle of this pandemic. What can, what can you tell us about, I've heard that there's a number of just jerks out there trying to take advantage of the coronavirus by sending, you know, predatory or malicious emails and text. And what, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, <laughs> hackers are opportunists by nature, and they're uh, they're they're not unlike others in that with with, with malicious intent, and that they'll take advantage of a crisis to uh, create personal gain. And what I've been seeing, for, like in the headlines, is is two things. One is they're sending around malicious attachments, whether they're macro-enabled Microsoft Office files or PDFs or what have you. Uh, referencing like coronavirus cure or, you know, any sort of coronavirus tangential topic, how to stay secure during coronavirus <laughs> and things like that. So that people open these up and it's infecting them with malware. They're also sending phishing emails out there, um, referencing the coronavirus, hoping people in the panic won't think as clearly and click a malicious link. Um, and another one is, is malicious websites. So they're, they're opening up, um, you know, the data tracking websites that show infection rates and death rates and projections and all of that. And what they really are is malicious websites that install malware on your computer. Hmm. Um, and other people are setting that, up. So are you saying that, that all the more reason to stick to websites like specifically the CDC.gov, you know, those, those Virginia Department of Health, those designated established institutional websites, as opposed to the ones that, um, that are maybe a bit further down the, the screen. Yeah, I mean, maybe you shouldn't go to coronaviruspanic.ru and instead go to the CDC's website, you know? Um, and, and the other piece is, you know, people are coming up with scam websites that are designed to steal credit cards for, or they likely will, to, um, to dupe people into thinking they're buying supplies that are um, out of stock at Amazon or their local store. So, you know, we're looking at like, um, people trying to scam people into buying toilet paper from coronavirus supplies.xyz, you know, um, and really all they're doing is stealing credit card numbers. And so what is, you know, you mentioned and kind of educated a bit on VPN, which is helpful because I will admittedly be, say I'm, I'm relatively ignorant in that realm. The dual authentic, authentication, you know, Duo, the, the Duo app we've got, what does that really yeah. serve? What, what purpose does that serve? Yeah, so multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication, whatever you want to call it, um, however you implement it, uh, hopefully through an app form is the best, but it's designed so that if someone's user credentials, their, their username and password to whatever account they have, the corporate network, et cetera, um, requires a secondary authorization step um, that is separate from the actual computer. So. This is when your bank account sends you a six number text code that says when you sign in so that you get to your phone so that 
if a hacker has access to the computer, they don't have your phone, yada, yada. So the idea is that if your credentials are compromised and you get an authorization request at a time when you were not attempting to sign in to whatever account it was, it's an indication A, that your account has been compromised and B, that um, you know, it can prevent that hacker from getting in. Um, because they cannot open up the app on your phone and approve the request. Only you can do that. Hey, um, are you are you aware of getting a, a verification code uh, for something via text that that you don't know what it is? Uh, yeah. I mean, in general, if if you get a verification code for one of your accounts and you're not trying attempting to sign in at that moment, but it's not. What if it's not your account? Or you're not aware oh. of what account it is. Have you heard of that? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it happens. Um, hmm. we, we have accounts all over the internet these days. I mean, I don't even want to count up the number of logins I have across the internet for various things. So yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure there's some of them that I've forgotten about. Well, Bennett, one, one of the things that occurs to me is, is that um, those of us that are working remotely or working at home, um, that haven't traditionally done that, we do have times in our routine to add the opportunity to um, enhance our defenses uh, yeah. in things like our personal cybersecurity. I know one of the things that I undertook that was, you know, did take a little time, but it's been very rewarding is, is using a password manager. I'm wondering um, what suggestions you might have for those that have, have time to, bolster their at home, um, you know, and just sort of personal defenses, cyber defenses, if you have some recommendations. Yeah. Um, you know, this is something I do in training with, you know, internally at Scott, as well as with our clients and their employees is I really like to tack that onto the end. And it's a point that I like to make um, organizationally as well is, is when you educate your employees on the, the cyber risks that exist and, and what defenses that exist, for those risks, you know, they can take those home and, and, and protect themselves in their personal life too. And, and maybe that will prevent um, some cases of identity theft or financial fraud or, or you name it. So uh, a couple of really big ones are installing antivirus slash anti-malware software, whatever you want to call it, antivirus, anti-malware, they're synonyms for the most part, um, preferably a paid version. So I use Sophos Home on my personal laptop at home. It's got antivirus, any malware, it's got a firewall, it stops malicious um, internet activity to known malicious servers, et cetera, and it's got ransomware protection. Um, so for 42 bucks a year, I get all that, and I can rest a little safer at night knowing that my files, you know, my family pictures, my whatever I have on my home laptop has extra protection. Um, another would be to buy an external hard drive and back your computer up to it after you run an antivirus scan and make sure it's not infected with anything. And um, how, big of a, how big of an external hard, I mean, is it one terabyte, two terabytes to back uh, up the computer? And I guess that can, that hinges on how much you have on your computer. That, that's exactly right. You know, you, you match it, you'd match it to conventional wisdom is like two to four X the size of the actual hard drive on your computer or how many, however many files you're expected to have. So, I think mine's like 150 gigs, so I'm buying a, a half terabyte, so 500 gigs. That way I could have 
you know, maybe three or four versions of backups of my whole system on that, on that hard drive. So having something like that, that, you know, you only plug it in, you back it, you back your computer up to it, unplug it. It's offline the rest of the time that you're operating your computer. And if things go wrong, you can hopefully at least keep some of those files, if not restore your whole system from that backup. Um, and then I think speaking to what we were just talking about with scammers that are taking advantage of the coronavirus, that really applies to just general internet browsing. Like, you know, if you have the opportunity to use a source you know and trust that's reputable, use that instead, instead of any random website out on the internet. Um, and, and especially being careful shopping online. Um, so I would, I would advise not buying um, products from a website that's not secure. If it doesn't start with HTTPS, it only starts with HTTP colon slash slash in the URL, maybe don't put your credit card number in that. And does the um, S stand for secure? Yes. <laughs> ah, I, you learn something every day. I, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah. that either. So that's the difference between, you know, that website having all of its traffic go through SSL encryption and a website that doesn't, is that ben, S. Ben, let me ask you this, you know, when, when you say back up your computer to a hard drive, two questions. One is, where would you go? I know we're operating Macs for the most part, but where, where would you go to find out how much, you know, how much you have on your computer, how much storage you need? And then the other piece would be, how do you actually back that up where do you go on your computer to to transfer files or backup files to an external hard drive yeah so I, I can speak to the mac version of this a lot better than i can the windows uh i think windows has capabilities built into the control panel somewhere um i'll say on mac if you just click the little apple button in the top left corner of your computer that's always available and click about this mac um you'll see if you go over to storage you'll see the size of your hard drive and how much storage is used and how much is left so mine says 160.56 gigabytes available um, so that'll give you an idea of the size of your hard drive and how much data you actually have on it and then you can match the size of your backup hard drive to that um, and then with a mac you just use the time machine app and you link it to your external hard drive that you want to use for backups and let it run um, and it will literally fill that hard drive with as many versions of backups going back however many days you want or whatever time intervals you want up until that hard drive is full. So, um, and I, I, I want to say there's third party apps that will do it for windows, but there could be a native version built into the OS of Microsoft or of, uh, windows 10. I'm not really sure though. I haven't done it in a long time. So, and then you were going down the line of, of various defenses, and I don't know if you'd run into the dead end on that one, but anything else on, on that front? Yeah, um, one big one that I think uh, is important to take into account that, you know, is, is related to, you know, working from home, but also just from general internet browsing, and that is get a sense for whether your networking equipment, i.e. your router and or your modem, probably just your router, are up to date. Uh, I just updated the, I got an uh, email from Netgear today that my Orbi router has a, a firmware update available. It took three minutes. I did it through the Netgear app on my phone and I got additional security protections on my Wi-Fi router. Hmm. Um, so 
I would say look into, you know, how old is that router? Is our update still supported on it? If not, maybe consider getting a newer router and keeping that thing up to date. Um, so that when new vulnerabilities are found and patches are put out, that you're, you have the ability to update it. Because there's a certain point at which an out, a router gets old enough and hardware gets old enough that uh, the developing company won't push out updates and security updates for that piece of hardware. So when you look at like this app requires you use iOS 10.x or later, part of that's because some of those old operating systems don't support updates anymore. So I, I've just got to, you mentioned patching and um, so that, that I can say is one thing I do know, but tell me if this is a wrong or right decision. Let's say hypothetically, I've got an iPhone that's told me for two years that it's got updates available and I just have not um, updated it. Is that a good idea? Or, Cause you know, sometimes you update your phone and a certain app won't work well. And so um, so what's the best strategy? Is it to, to update or to just kind of, I like the version of the phone I got right now, so I'm going to keep it. <laughs> I, I, I love the leading question. Um, yeah, you know, the best thing to do, yes, keep it up to date and um, set it to auto update. So you don't even have to think about it. It just does it. And hopefully it does it while it's sitting on the charger uh, in the middle of the night while you're sleeping and you don't even notice it happen. Um, what, what people need to recognize is when you look at those notes for updates, when it ever, it, you see the little bullet points underneath where it says the op, up, uh, software updates available. What it doesn't say is that is it, it doesn't list the litany of security vulnerabilities that they found that they passed with that update. They're going to tell you about feature updates and new features that are available and bugs that they fixed that maybe were annoying people. But buried in there in the more detailed notes elsewhere is like all the security updates they made. So keep those things up to date. Um, and, and if there's one stat that I can throw out that I, I just recently um, found that puts this into context, it was 60% of data breaches involve vulnerabilities for which a patch was available but not applied. It doesn't mean the breach was specifically because they didn't patch, but it was a contributing factor. Interesting. Yeah, those things are those are funny because it becomes habitual. You know, I, I I can certainly say I'm guilty of whether it's on my laptop or my phone saying, you know, it 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 pings you and sends you a reminder that an update is available, but it's not at the right time. And you, you say, you know, remind me in 24 hours, remind me in a day, remind me in a day, a month remind later. me in a week, you know, remind me in a week. <laughs> 52 uh, weeks has gone by. So it's a, I think that's one of those you know, uh, there are tiers, I think, of response that when I, when I hear you kind of go through, I think, you know, the router one is one in which that, that may take a little bit, just a little hair of energy and effort. The update on your phone and, and computer takes almost zero effort, right? You, you right. basically click update and then let it run. Um, Jimbo, right. you, like you had a, um, something, just a burning comment or question a minute ago. So I, I don't know if you want well, to. I was, I was wondering who might be listening to this podcast, but I was going to say, you know, one of the challenges in that auto update is, is when your phone is so full that <laughs> you can't accommodate the update. I run into that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Sounds like you got to prioritize which apps you want to keep. I'm, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Jimbo, yeah. you strike me as the type of friend I've got who – when you scroll over to see their apps, the pages go on for days and days and days. I've got two screens for my apps, just for the for the record. Actually, you know what? Podcast 
depending on how you sort the podcast, they take up a ton of space on your phone. Yeah, well, if you if you have the podcast app set to auto download like the latest ten episodes, you're gonna have ten podcast episodes downloaded for everyone you're subscribed to. So that's how that's how I roll, Bennett. Yeah. Well, hey, this mat- that means we got to condense this risk matters podcast so and <laughs> overload our clients' minds. Yeah. Well, you know, Alex made a a, a really a, a important point about you know kind of the types of defenses, and and maybe that's a good opportunity just to kind of categorize how to think about this. And, and, and this goes for an individual as, as well as for our clients that are, that are working on cyber risk from an organizational standpoint and from a corporate network standpoint. And I, I personally, I, people have different mentalities on this, but I, I like to break it out between people, technology, and incident response. So, you know, educating our people um, and, and, and teaching them about what the risks are and, and what their role is to play in, in defending against those risks. Um, and then, you know, so that's the people piece um, and, and kind of getting holistic buy-in on like, this is why we use a VPN. This is why we have secure procedures for transferring data. This is why we do all of these things and we, and we expect it from, from ourselves and, and from our workers. But then the technology piece is, you know, all the things that IT can put into place to detect threats and prevent an attack. This is, this is your VPN. This is your firewalls. This is, um, uh, you know, network segmentation so that if someone breaks in, you know, they're isolated and they can't just infect the entire corporate network. The list goes on. And then, of course, incident response. When, when we get alerts that say there's a potential breach in our defenses, what do we do? How do we handle it? Who do we call? What resources do we have available? Having a plan for that uh, is also really important. Um, so I just, you know, I kind of wanted to outline that for those that are trying to, you know, maybe break into this and, and think about how they want to create a framework for building out an inventory of, of defenses. That's, that's sort of how I categorize it. Well, I think we should take some questions from the audience. And <laughs> since we don't have an audience, we can take questions to the inbox of Ask the Expert at, come on, Bennett, give them your credentials. It's, it's, it's at B Whitehouse at scottins.com. Give me a shout. <laughs> B Whitehouse at, at scottins.com, also known as the Zoom Czar. Zoom Czar, Governor. Nicknames are stacking up. They really are. Well, well thanks for. Um, I think we should round this out and, and I know it probably makes you cringe Bennett because we, there's layers of complexity beneath each one of the items you brought up. And, and so today's conversation was just a little bit of a teaser for folks. If you're not thinking about it, you should be. Um, and there are a few little tricks of the trade that I, I personally just kind of learned today. Um, and that I've, I've learned from Bennett, just the, the importance of patching of updating your devices and, and your laptop and your, your routers and then also HTTPS. Who would have thought that the S stands for what was it, Bennett? Security? Uh, I, 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 it's something hyper transfer, something protocol. And I want to say the S is something to do with security, but I, I don't actually remember what the acronym means. Well, um, uh, the S is an indicator that it's, it's more secure. And, um, and so as, as folks are starting to work from home more and they're being given company or Maybe they're using personal devices to navigate company business. Just some good thoughts for you guys for the road. Um, 
or for your quarantine and isolation with your shelter in place, stay at home orders. Yeah. And, you know, if, if I may, in, in closing, I just, you know, one thing that I, I just like to stress is that this is a threat that isn't going away. This is a risk that really has only gotten worse over the years for, for both our clients and, and for us individually. And the cost can be pretty high. Um, so I just, you know, I encourage people to look into it and prioritize it and, and, and reach out to, you know, IT professionals, reach out to us at Scott and, and, you know, get the help that you need if you need it. Awesome. Well, hypertext transfer protocol secure. There we go. There we go. Well, I got part of that. <laughs> we, uh, thanks to you all who, who were tuning in and who listened and, and my apologies again, because this exit is going to be a little bit harsh. There will be no outro music. This will just end abruptly. Um, but Jimbo, thank you, Bennett. Thanks Love for the it. time. And, and it, I always okay. try to round these out and, and, and Jimbo's always got to go, wait, well, hold a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> well, you got to get, you got a guitar that you could play the out. <laughs> that means Thanks. I'd have to break through to the, to the living room and I've got a chair barrier set up. So my kids don't run down here during the middle of this. All right. Fair <laughs> enough. Y'all have a good weekend. All right. Thanks everybody for listening in. We will catch you next time.